0: Welcome to episode 172 of the HHH Racing Podcast. I'm your host, Howard Kravitz. Thanks for joining us tonight as we recap and review the unbelievable day of stake races on Travers Day this past Saturday at Saratoga. Please make sure you subscribe on the bottom right-hand side of the screen. You guys know the jewel already. Hit that notification bell because we're going to be having... New shows popping up all over the place. We really need you to press that notification button so you know when new content will arise. Also smash that thumbs up button. We'd appreciate that tells YouTube this is an exciting show to watch for anyone who's interested in horse racing. Of course, on my name tag there is my Twitter handle at hkravitz. And at the bottom of the screen in the scroll, you'll see right there my email hkravitzhorse at gmail. Of course, you can also listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. And I also want to really emphasize this. This Thursday is September 1st. Why is that important? The Race Day blog resets. If you have not subscribed to the Race Day blog, please wait until Thursday because Patreon will uh, automatically charge people on the first of each month. But if you have not received the Race Day blog, please start doing that on september 1st this thursday it's only 16 dollars a month you get it every saturday uh it included a pick five score with an abc ticket this past weekend at saratoga it included an eight to one shot in race three that a gentleman named matt miller i believe cashed big time uh amount undisclosed if he wants to uh tweet that out or put it in the chat if he's listening uh, he may do so but uh we had many wonderful scores. We have some misses, too. I mean, that that's natural, of course. That's going to happen. But again, the Race Day blog, over a $2.50 ROI. Every week, there's price plays that we hit with, along with fantastic ABC grids, pick fours, five, six tickets, etc. Check it out. And then, of course, we also have uh, wonderful information about the podcast on hhhracingpodcast.com. And I have to remind one of my wonderful co-hosts that we need to put some pictures up on the uh, website of the great event we had this past Saturday at Crazy Poor OTB. And actually, the first person I want to bring on real quick for a quick uh, comment on that is one of the great contributors we have to the show from the Chicago area. This is Kyle Roscoe. Kyle, how are you doing tonight?
1: How are you doing, Howard? got to Good. be here.
0: Uh, crazy poor OTB. Let me bring on Pete Visco, also uh, from Maryland because he was part of the show as well. We tried to get – I'll tell you what. Let's just bring on the whole damn crew. What am I <laughs> doing? I, I don't want to give Paul Howard a short trip. We tried to get Paul on. But, guys, how are we doing tonight? Uh, Pete and Kyle especially. Unbelievable turnout. Very exciting atmosphere. Pete, you've got a feel for it, I'm sure, listening at the crazy poor OTB in Villa Park. Kyle, let's you go first. Quite the experience we had this past Saturday
1: unbelievable and like I said I know me and Matt Miller were talking about it afterwards just there's nothing like getting 30 40 50 people in one room all cheering for the same horse as he comes down the stretch it was unbelievable day just made even better by the by the catches and everything else just yeah what a great day
0: uh Pete I'm sure you could feel the excitement through the microphone we appreciate you being able to uh contribute up, which I uh, know what was a busy day uh for you we're going to talk about the races but it is cool to uh hit for other people almost is better than hitting for yourself
2: yeah no that was awesome anytime you can make yourself money and make other people money and make the whole room happy then it's a pretty good day in my book
0: uh paul we try, i know you tried to get in the internet as usual was shaky talk about real quick just talk about your experience on Travers day i heard i think i saw forty-eight thousand. I, I read an unbelievable crowd it was a beautiful day i mean it's traverse day you can't go wrong
3: Yeah, they announced it at 49. Uh, That does include the daily passes. So if you buy a a season pass, you get counted in the attendance every day, whether you're there. But I I can't imagine that's more than a few thousand. So probably at least 45,000. And, you know, we got a ton of rain on Friday right before the races. Saturday was an absolute 11 on the weather scale. Uh, Nothing like you and I experienced the last trips we were there, (laughs) Howard. It was uh, probably a high of 80 with no humidity. It was an absolute wow. uh, Chamber of Commerce day for uh, Travers Day. It was terrific. Just terrific. Well,
0: the, the racing was Chamber of Commerce. Guys, let's jump right in. Uh, we have Penn State Scott. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be, uh, for those of you that are not familiar, We uh, Matt Miller and I started with a bankroll of $1,000 that was given us uh, given to us by Hawthorne. We walked out, well, not we, but our patrons and Matt Miller and myself, we took that $1,000 and turned it into 5900 and, and change, mainly on the shoulders of Matt Miller's fantastic, I get this right, $35 pick four. Mm-hmm. And then also I hit a very nice trifecta for over $1,000 uh, with Gufo, playing my typical let's key Gufo and put him underneath. We didn't need him underneath with uh, – We'll talk about the sword dancer. Anyway, it was a great time. Guys, let's jump right to the races because we have a, some unlimited time tonight. We're going to show the replays, ladies and gentlemen, of each race. And all my two great co-hosts and Kyle, uh, who, who did a fantastic job with us on Saturday, they're going to talk through the races. I'm going to keep my comments to a minimum, guys, and let you guys do most of the talking. But, again, guys, feel free to bounce thoughts off each other as I show the video replay of the race. So we really don't want one of you guys talking over through the whole video, just you know, you can just trade off a little bit as the race goes on, along with maybe giving a little bit play by play. Because I'm gonna show each race start to finish guys that we can uh talk about. We also need to talk about many horses that are be pointing to the breeders cup. Unfortunately, from what I understand, and Nick Tamro tweeted this out, of all the grade ones, Paul, and this is coming from uh Nick Tamro, I believe of all the grade ones Saturday, as of now, only one or two are actually Play on running again before the Breeders' Cup, which is, don't get me started because it's 10 weeks away. But uh, anyway, uh, let's jump in. We're going to start with the 4-go, guys, and then we'll go into the jerkins and etc. So we're going to start with the forego race five as I go ahead and bring it on screen. And uh, guys, we, we talked about this. There is an absolute huge upset uh, in this race, or I think most people would consider it a big upset as I go ahead and bring. The results, uh, Jackie's Warrior, a horse that <laughs> all you guys know I was trying to beat mm-hmm. the last two times, except for this Saturday, and then he ends up <laughs> losing, uh, is beaten by Cody's Wish. You see at the top of the screen, the mutual prices. Um, Paul, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with you. Uh, by the way, Paul, let me actually, before I do this, let me just bring this on partially. Shout out to Paul Halloran, who I believe, I could be wrong, guys. If I'm wrong, I apologize. I believe he's the only one that gave out the uh, caveman pick five. For on the show for Saturday, so if that, I believe that's true. So, Paul, congratulations to that. I had the ABC Pick Five on the that was only available on the Race Day blog. But Paul, I wanted to throw a kudos a kudos to you, sir, for a great job in giving people a a smaller caveman Pick Five. So, Paul, we're gonna go ahead and start with you as I go full screen here. Cody's wish, of course, wins the race. This is the Gray One Four Go. It was seven furlongs. Uh, you want to pretty much pay attention to Cody's wish. It was the five. And Jackie's warrior, who is the three? Uh, hold on one second here. I could you it a little bit smaller. And there we go. You can talk through. Oh, sorry, let me go this. I apologize. All right, go ahead and talk through the race again. The three is uh, Jackie's warrior. Uh, Paul. The five is uh, Cody's wish.
3: Well, I think the one you have to pay attention to how it is the six pipeline because. That really might have been the key to the race. You could see the six goes to the lead. You know, Jackie gets to the lead fairly easily, but if you watch, she never opens up at all. You see, Pipeline is he he. he. he, he. God, Pipeline is sitting right (laughs) off of him here, going into the turn. Uh, Bill Mott's other horse, Baby Yoda, was on the inside. a uh, long shot in the middle, a couple of long shots. And Cody's wish is kind of biding his time at the back of the pack. But as we'll see later in the sword dancer, you know, very much in touch with the field. And right about here at the three-eighths pole, and Bill Mott talked about this after the race, he said he noticed that uh, Junior, the horse was moving, and Junior really was not asking them too much. And again, we're now at the quarter pole. And Jackie has still got pipeline right on him. And, uh, you know, right here, you get the feeling that he might be in deep water. And uh, in a minute, in a second here, now Cody's Wish is in full flight. And, uh, you, you know, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion. So uh, great, uh, a great run by Cody's Wish. Great story. I'm sure you've read about it. I, I encourage you maybe to... Ah, uh, read the online version of the Saratoga special tomorrow. I had the uh, privilege of speaking to Cody's parents yesterday. Oh, wow. uh, spoke to I'm the Dorman. Godolphin.
0: Rock's last name is the, of the family, I believe.
3: Yeah, Cody Dorman is yes. uh, the young man who yeah. um, the horse is named for, and uh, was hooked up with uh, this. Uh, Make it was a make a wish type of story, and so the Godolphin yeah. people actually named the horse for him. But it, it'll all be on this racing dot tomorrow. You can read the okay. complete story. But but anyway, it was one of those things. Howard, uh, you know, I don't think Jackie's warrior. I believe Howard ran her second best buyer ever
0: at one hundred and nine. Yeah.
3: So I don't I don't think Jackie loses anything. I, I I think he's still the favorite in the six furlong Breeders Cup Sprint. But the combination of Ooh. A fast pace and pipeline uh, haranguing him every step of the way. And Cody's Wish, who, by the way, was five for nine coming in, was yep. no slouch. He was stepping yep. up to grade one. Uh, everything aligned. And, you know, Cody's Wish, if you liked him, you went from a seven to two morning line to an eight to one post time because Jackie's Warrior went off Howard at one to nine.
0: Quite incredible. Pete, you. Uh- at first, I was sort of very negative to Jackie's Warriors effort until I saw the buyer, a 109. I mean, that's squarely uh, – you could say he regressed, I guess, because he lost. But, Pete, a 109 wins the Breeders' Cup sprint, I mean, almost every year.
2: Yeah, and actually – it's funny. When you look at – once you see the buyers come out, though, across some of the dirt races, they actually – they look kind of high, so, so it, it's a little curious. But, yeah, I mean, just – I, watching the replay, I think he ran. He ran a really good race. It's just the one thing you have to remember going into the Breeders' Cup is we've seen him now a couple of times take pressure, and when he takes pressure, he's vulnerable. When he gets the lead and he can have it his own way, he's not. And they, I, I only wonder. I, I, you wonder why they haven't tried again. I think they've done it once where they've tried to sit him off of speed that maybe he's better than instead of tussling with some speed that's a, that he's a better horse then it just makes no sense because if you look back maybe let's see the does he have last year he sat off oh, i guess good. the vanderbilt yeah i guess the vanderbilt guess, he didn't really sit off good. but oh yeah, <laughs> yeah that's yeah but I mean, he's really so awesome. it but yeah. it may be if you're it, it just doesn't make sense to to tussle with an an inferior horse potentially and sort of just use yourself a little too early. And then I think Cody's wish who's really good. And and Cody's wish was cutting back. So, you know, that last furlong or 16th or whatever, isn't going to get to Cody's wish because Cody's wish is used to going longer. So I think that's what wound up happening. And I think Jackie's ran a great race. I mean, it got cooked, put, put pipeline away pretty convincingly, and then just got run down by, by a horse who had a cleaner, Better, less um, complicated in terms of the pace trip, and I, I think that was the end of it.
0: Uh, Pete, feel free to you know post some comments as I'm yeah, talking yeah. to some other people as well. Uh, Kyle, I'll have a, I'll let you have sort of the last word before I make a real quick comment. Something I noticed, Kyle, I, I don't you know this is why you have to break down paces here. If you look, Kyle, on the screen, Jackie's Warrior actually ran a sec a faster second quarter. First quarter is twenty two, um, and you know and, and which is relatively comfortable but he was pressed into a 22.35 second quarter and look the horse fit, went three quarters at 108 and three so you know although he got beat i'm sorry to think that he actually ran a pretty damn good race
1: yeah 100 i think the even um one of the more uh interesting angles into this is you look at jackie's word and you look at pipeline look at how sandwiched those two are together i mean Pipeline is hundredths off of Jackie's warrior in the first quarter and dead even in the second quarter. Yeah. So having that pressure the entire way around the half mile in a, in a sprint, I mean, that's, that shows more to Jackie's warrior and just being able to keep on like he did. I mean, he's obviously the class of the field in that race and just got beat by a pace and a horse that ran a really damn good race that day.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, my my take is, and uh, well, actually I'm going to wait until the next race. Uh, Obviously, Jack's War. I I, th- I don't think he's going to run before the Breeders' Cup. I think yeah, isn't that correct, Paul? That's what Aspen said. And so that's correct. Uh, he's going to train to the Breeders' Cup. I'm sure he's going to fire a big number. I still like to see Jack's War get an outside post, guys. He's got a lot of inside posts in his races. I really think if he gets an outside post, like you mentioned, Pete. I think he, I think he's not like a dead, dead speed. I mean, he can sit off just a bit. So if you like Jackie's War in the Breeders' Cup Sprint, which I know we got two months. I think you want an outside point, uh, post with him, Pete. Obviously, the inside post didn't do many favors last year in the Breeders' Cup Sprint.
2: No, I, I agree with you. I also, I think it's we we love to talk Breeders' Cup, but it's tough in the sprint because there are horses who are on the fence between the sprint and the mile that would probably change the the projections or or change our opinions. So yeah. I think it's just this early out, it's tough. But no, I agree with you. If he can be outside maybe outside of some other speed, see some, again, inferior speed, maybe go to the lead and then just sort of sit first over, sit right off or or get a spot behind, then try and run that way. I think that would be more beneficial. Because, you know, the Breeders' Cup, even if it's not, they're not as maybe talented as him, but you'd get enough good horses in the race, you usually get good speed. It's tough to just win on the front
0: end. Absolutely. We'd love to hear. Howard, can I
3: just say one one thing? I, I don't get the buyers are artificially high argument they're yeah, in Christine sub one... Rice, was that christine
0: said mentioned that possibly they
3: ran. they ran sub 121 for seven furlongs on a track that wasn't really playing that fast
0: <laughs> yeah i don't i mean i i did not i've not looked at time for listen there's a lot of speed figures if you don't like buyers then look at time form look at what equibase look at the rags look at uh thoroughgraph i mean uh i i not seen a real indication the buyers are off but it's something to you know consider. well one thing
2: one thing howard we do formulator on here and if you do formula if you do use formulator you could see the comparison between time form and buyer so sometimes you could see if there's a bigger discrepancy than what the normal is so that sometimes comes in handy to see if maybe one one is inflated or deflated or or vice versa
0: absolutely all right let's go on to the next race guys the jerkins the jerkins of course And uh, pete i'm gonna have you start first in this race Jack Christopher was, I thought, more workmanlike. And I think Matt Miller took a bit of an offense to that. And I, I think in hindsight, you know, hindsight's always, uh, you know, it's always good to take a step back and, and look at things. Um, I think Jack Christopher was very good. I, I don't think he was, like, absolutely blow, blew me away, like the best horse I've ever seen. But he was pretty damn good. We're going to show the replay here. This is the H.L. Allen Jerkins. Jack Christopher is the 6. Gunite is the 8. The horse I liked, him a bit um, or creative. I've heard zillion different names. Uh, pronunciations was the nine did not run. Well, I'll admit that I was, uh, wrong. Uh, credit just didn't run well at all. Frankly, Conagher was the one. Pete talk about Jack Christopher, the six here who wins the HL and Jerkins.
2: Yeah, I mean I think the the great thing about Jack Christopher whether it's workmanlike or or not is he does he does his best running sitting off the target. So he doesn't get mixed up in these in these speed duels. So you see here where You know, you see Conager actually I thought Conager had the worst of it because didn't break great for a speed horse and then rushed up. And I think if we I have it on on my other screen, I think that first quarter that Conager ran was a little quicker than, yeah, 22.18. It was a little quicker than maybe you would want rushing up, which is perfect for Jack Christopher, who then just sits the, you know, sits the perfect trip right behind a horse who maybe had to kill himself a little bit to get the lead. And then just sort of runs the normal race that he runs. And, it, yeah, and I think Gunite ran so well, maybe Jack Christopher's race doesn't look as great. But I think this is just what he does. And, I mean, I think he's a phenomenal horse, especially shorter.
0: Uh, Kyle, you see uh,
2: here. Yeah, go ahead. I know somebody no, Kyle, wants to he, get a talk it through.
0: Uh, Gunnight makes a little bit of a run. Um, and then you see a credit coming wide here.
1: Yeah. Like I said, to your point accretive creative was just, he was just outside the whole race, never really given a chance, but like I said, he didn't run very well. Like I said, I know I always preach Jack Christopher is just better, shorter, better. One turn. He's a seven furlong horse, maybe a mile breeders got mile, even though it is two turns this year. Um, but he just goes on with it goes away. I, I think Gunnight ran extremely well, this race to get within a length and a quarter of Jack Christopher is no, Small feat in and of itself. I thought he ran a great, ra- or yeah, I thought he ran a great race. But Jack Christopher just doing what he does best, like Pete said, does great with one target in front of him, gets the perfect trip, and just goes away with it at the end.
2: Well, and one oh. one thing we talked about. Oh, sorry, I was just saying one thing we talked about on the show and on Saturday was that. Gun Knight has been really great in 2022, but he runs a similar style to Jack Christopher mm-hmm. and Jack Christopher just out styled him. I mean, he just does it a little bit better. And that's what you saw there. But I, yeah, I agree with Kyle. I thought yeah. Gun Knight was great. I would love the two of them in whatever they go in the Breeders' Cup. I, I think I wouldn't mind, you know, thinking about either one of them in whatever race they're in. Well, yeah.
0: your three-year-old stepping against older is not going to be easy, but Jack Christopher no, but... is not your hes not your normal three-year-old guy. It, yeah. This is really talented. Paul, Jack Christopher got a second career best uh, 104, never looked like a loser. And, you know, to me, Paul, as I bring this back on screen, Jack Christopher is a little more tactical than Jackie's Warrior. Um, and that, that's a big advantage in, in any race. I never get the feeling Jack Christopher has to be right on the lead. Jackie's Warrior, I sort of feel like, does.
3: Oh. I will be betting Jackie's Warrior in a six furlong race over Jack Christopher.
0: Wow. Okay. What? What? Tell, tell, tell me your feelings on Jack Christopher going forward.
3: I think he's a seven, eight furlong horse, and uh, as Kyle mentioned, he's a tremendous horse. But I think uh, at six furl, I think the distance does play a factor. I think if the Breeders' Cup were at Churchill this year, the one-turn mile would be perfect for a horse like him, uh, as well as Speaker's Corner. Uh, as well as Cody's wish, but it isn't. It's at Keeneland, so they got to go two turns if you want to go the dirt mile. Uh, I don't know what they'll do with him. Uh, you know, obviously, he's very, very formidable, uh, and GunEye keeps getting better. But at six furlongs, I'll take Jackie's Warrior. Yeah, uh,
2: I, I think he's better a little bit in the mile. I mean, I don't think the two turns should bother him because even in the in the Haskell, he was. He was great. He just couldn't get that last. He just couldn't get that last, whatever it was, last 16th when he faded. But I thought he was great the whole the whole way through. And then his pedigree sort of caught up with him. So I think the two turns wouldn't be an issue in the mile. But but I agree with Paul. I think the sixth furlongs, we just haven't seen it since his debut. So it might be tough.
0: Uh, Paul, I sent out a uh, a poll on Twitter and the fans uh, respectfully disagree with you, as you can see here. Uh, it's the, the, the poll is still open, but as of now, 39.3% would bet Jack Christopher 28.6 Jackie's warrior. And then a bunch also would depend on their price. And some said, neither your thoughts on this poll, uh, Paul,
3: I think it's great. It's a parimutuel game. So I want to see more people disagree with me, but Paul, would
2: you, would you, (laughs) would you think differently if there was a ton of speed in there and it was again, where Jack, Jackie's warrior is going to take a ton of heat up front, or would you still have the same opinion?
3: No, I, I would think you got to always, Pete, have to look at the field. Um, you know, I, I think Jackie's Warrior can be as fast as they want him to be early. And, and contrary to what you were saying, and I know what you're saying, Pete, about sitting off, but there's also the argument when you're facing that nagging other horse, just put him away early. I, I agree with obviously that, yeah, has yeah, the ability yeah. to do. Now, this, yeah. if Jackie's Warrior wanted to put Pipeline – now, in order to do that, though, on Saturday – You know, he might have gone 21-3, and and 43-4, which is not really the recipe to win a a seven-for-a-long race. It may be, however, the recipe to win a a six-for-a-long race. Yeah.
0: All right, guys, let's go ahead on. I'm sorry. uh, You didn't see what I was doing. Uh, Let's go on to the personal ensign. Kyle, you covered this like a glove on the uh, show on Saturday. You helped me preview the race at the Crazy Poor OTB. So out of full respect sir we will let you actually talk about this race first as i go ahead and bring it up there you can see the the uh uh, results there malathot and we have a lot to talk about this race although we're only going to talk for a short amount of time tonight uh malathot wins the race i guess you can call it an upset at three to one search results a huge second latruska third everyone's wondering where is clary where where's pete's horse Where's Clarier? And I will admit, Pete, that I actually put a small win bet on Clarier also because I actually thought I was getting an okay price at like nine to five, to be honest, on Clarier. We'll, we'll talk about her in a second. And the break here was huge. You have to watch all the horses so We really take a look at what happened to the three Clarier. I don't know if we we're able to see it. I don't know if you guys have heard the story, but I saw the head on, and I saw it right before they broke, and there's definitely an excuse for Clarier. So I might freeze that. Let's see if we can see it here. You know, you can't, do you see right there, guys? There it is. I'm going to rewind it again. Look really carefully at the three hole here. We're clear your sort of false start. Watch the three guys real carefully. Right, right there to see she false started. Her nose hits the gate. That had to have played into it because Kyle, she just broke really slow.
1: Yeah. It, it, we, you said it exactly on uh, when this first race, when this race first went off. Yeah. at the crazy port she's like she just drops back by eight nine lengths and that's crazy. just it's not like her running style i know she obviously yeah. likes to come from the back but she does not like to sit that that's that's goofo far back uh she, she does not like to sit that far back and like i said she tries to come up a little bit but it, it she just never ran she never got into the race and it's just really it was really um not depressing is not the right word but she never really got a chance in this race and i think mala thought I said it on the podcast uh, originally. I thought this was basically just a repeat of um, of the race on Belmont Stakes Day of the Ogden Phipps. I yeah. just thought it was going to be Clarier and Malathot coming down the lane together, one two, and whoever gets the best gets the best. But um, it was ended up being uh, a blessing in disguise almost because it was bet it was a lot better for all the patrons at Crazy Poor as Malathot that's was true. actually the highest of the four, yeah. highest of the four in the will Pays, which was actually huge for us. But like I said, you see Malathoth actually getting very close, just running the race that she likes to run, That's and where especially we enough time for first would field. Probably be if any of the, right.
0: either between those two, right? One hundred
1: percent, exactly. And like I said, Jade Latruska actually breaks away from Search Results a little bit, but the Queen's just going to tie her out a little bit and actually run behind him. Search Results again running a massive race, just like she did in the Ogden Phipps as well. Just getting beat by Claire or just getting beat by uh, Clarier in that race. That's correct. She's Pete, I want to circ- freeze it. I want to yep. freeze
0: it right here now on the show. I thought I called it a brilliant ride. Pete would sort of uh, listen. I respect all you guys. This is what's fun arguing. I, maybe brilliant might have been a little over the top, but he he, he could have J- Johnny V could have easily come through this hole easily. I just like the fact, Pete, that he wasn't cute. That he, that there's no one who's outside. He decides to lose ground and lose a little bit of momentum, frankly, and swing him out, swing her out, excuse me, uh, and give. Malathot, the best chance to win right here, Pete. As you're watching the race, who'd you think would you think there's be search results or Malathot, honestly, at this point?
2: No, I, th- I mean, I thought search results had the the chance, but search results I just don't think loves this distance. So I, I felt like Malathot was in a good position that if she was ever going to do it, this was the time because you could tell Latruska was fading. Search results doesn't seem to ever want to get it this far, even as close as she winds up getting. And Mala thought, like you said, yeah, I didn't mean to poo-poo the ride or anything. It was just more of, I think with a, with a horse like that, I think getting out into the clear instead of trying to come up the rail and being a little more athletic maybe isn't her thing. So I think I think what you said was right, where I, I think he just knows this horse well enough to know, hey, I got to get her clear get her a straight line. And once she gets going, then she's hard to stop. And And I think that's exactly what happened. I think the, the, like Kyle said, though, the Clary air breaking so badly, apparently she hit her head a couple of times. She hit the yeah. starter um, on her way out. So, I because th- I think search results is this is too long for her. I think she's good but not great going this distance, and I think Latruska may just be on the on the downswing a bit and can't really take the pressure anymore. So I think what Malathot did was beat two horses that at this distance she's probably just better than
0: Paul. This came back a really fast race again, very high quality. For those that are sort of ripping on Latruska or uh, ripping is not the right word, but sort of saying Latruska done. And i got to be honest, I'm a little more critical about Latruska than some others. Paul, she still ran a damn one-on-one loss by length and a half. It's not like Latruska ran a bad race. I mean, Mm -hmm. she can still run. I just don't think she's good enough to win the Breeders' Cup Distaff based on the last few races. I just don't see it.
3: Yeah, I actually previewed this race out, so I spent some time Friday morning with Latruska and Fausto
0: Gutierrez
3: and Jose Ortiz. And, uh, you know, they were thinking that she is better around two turns. Because she could open up uh, a little bit. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't like her to win the race, but I, I thought that she'd be much more of a factor than she was in the Phipps. And she was, frankly. But you know, the difference with Malathat, Howard, and I don't know if I, if anyone's going to be able to see this picture. This is a picture when they paddock schooled Malathat. Now, Todd <laughs> Pletcher is a pretty straight shooter. And Todd said, for whatever reason, Malathat was dull going into the Shoe V was had low energy in the paddock and he really couldn't explain it other than maybe it was the weather that day. When Malafat was paddock schooling like that on Wednesday, um she was she was going to be a different horse. Doesn't mean she was going to win, but she's a tough cookie. And I the more that the more I looked at that race, uh, you know, we make a lot of mistakes in this game as handicappers how I, I make more than most, but I really did, and I was with a friend uh sitting at my table. I said, You know Malathat at a three to one here is an absolute steal. she's coming into the race much better um i like you know i like i thought it would be a, a five three uh, all day, and you know uh Clae yeah, did she also bit cut her tongue in, in the midst yeah, of all right that too that. so yeah. anyone who wants to anyone who wants to slice your tongue and then go out and run nine furlongs, let me know how you feel uh but I, I really feel thought good
0: that, running 10 feet.
3: Yeah, I, I had used in the race, I had used Clarier and Malathat as my two A's. So I had Malathat okay. as an A all yeah. the way along, and uh, she ran terrific.
0: Yeah, it's, it's going to be, you know, this, this this staff, we've seen some good ones over the years. You throw a Nest along with the source that ran here. You know, maybe there's others I can't recall. I can't think of right off the top of my head. Um, how about, you know, it'd be cool if you see the. Uh, the Queens play winner. I don't know if she's gonna be running on dirt. Was it Moira, I believe is her name? Mm-hmm. Um, if, if if she could take the dirt, I'm not saying she's gonna win the race. It would just be a fun addition to, sure to the on thing. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: And Nest right Nest right now is a pretty big favorite in some of the odds I was I was checking.
0: That's that's just absolutely silly. I, I don't I mean I
2: think yeah. she will be the favorite as of right now unless something really? happens between Oh yeah okay. definitely I think hundred percent I'll
0: take clear at five to one in the, in the Brutus Cup thing. Oh I'm not saying
2: I'd better but I'm saying I think <laughs> I think Shoot, I see Clarier. air in the in the yeah. odds on odds checker is fourteen right now. I would love that.
0: What? Wait in <laughs> yeah. the distaff. No,
2: I'm looking at the odds checker right now. Yeah,
0: in the distaff. Wow.
3: Yeah. Why does he doubt, Why does he doubt you, Pete?
0: I'd, I mean, <laughs> I, I, well, I I can
2: read if nothing, I, if nothing else, Paul. I can Come read. On, just, I, not, not that much, but not, if, if know,
0: she I was can, 14-1 listed in the, in the classic, that'd make even more sense. I, I don't... That just seems like a crazy high number. All right. Yeah, Paul, no, this um, is terrible, but go ahead. Okay, I'm sorry, but bless you, Pete. Thank you very much. All right, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Uh, Paul, you're going to talk first through the Sora Dancer. Um, for those of you that are not too familiar with our show... I can think of a lot of reasons to watch what I believe is an excellent podcast. As do uh, as do uh, the people that are with me here on the screen, and they they help make it what it is. Uh, we had a great guest on Tuesday night, guys. We had Miguel Clement on Tuesday, just coincidentally. I sort of had a little bit of a feeling, and if, if those of you that watched or at least watched either live or the replay, I thought Miguel Clement, and he's a pretty modest a modest guy, as is Christoph. He was honest. And I thought very, he said, he used the word bullish, I believe, Paul, if I remember correctly, on his chances. I thought it was a fantastic ride by Joel as we go ahead and bring up here the details of this race. Of course, Gufo wins. Mirror Mission, a very big second, three wide the whole way. Soldiers Rising, the other Colmont, uh gets third. Quite an impressive uh, effort there by the Clement Barn, finishing first and third. Gufo gets the job done. At a decent price, Paul,
3: in the Sword Dancer. Yeah, he, he was, Howard. And uh, I think I mentioned on the show Thursday night when when I was able to get through, uh, I was going to watch Gufo train Friday morning at 6.15. Uh, by the way. Sorry to
0: interrupt, Paul. He's the 6 horse. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, and, and, you know, I talked to Christoph uh, Friday morning, uh, bright and early, and he said, obviously, the blinkers went back on. You know, he won four in a row to end last year with blinkers. He took them off this year he, he felt that the horse was too keyed up at the breeders cup turf he ran his first four races this year with uh without them and um in the monmouth race his most recent race the united nations he was 17 lengths behind at one point and Christoph just felt that you know you're not going to win a race of this caliber being that far back. He said, actually, he was 15 lengths back with a quarter mile, three-eighths to go in a mile and three-eighths race, and he lost by two lengths. So he said he he made up 13, but not 15. But you could see here, Joel Rosario has him about six lengths off of Tribuvan, and uh, he pretty much keeps him that distance all the way around. And uh, it was just a it was a great plan by Clement. And it was a great execution by Rosario, and uh, it, you know it was just the way they drew it up. They they were quietly confident. The horse had been training well. He had coming off three works on the Oklahoma with the Blinkers, and uh, they felt that if he and you know, I actually spoke to, I spoke to his owner Stephen Canelli, who was not in from Texas, but I spoke to him on the phone uh, yesterday, and uh, he said, you know, when we're five, if he's five or six lengths off. At the top of the stretch, you know we think he's going to win and be pretty close. So, uh, Mirror Mission Howard, uh, who I did have in my pick five, by the way, who uh, as much as, as good as the goofo story is, the eighteen to one Mirror Mission would have been a much oh. better story. Uh,
0: Tell me about it. If, huge... that, if that horse wins, the uh, the, the people in the um, at Crazy Poor that that fifty nine hundred we uh, ended up with having would, would have been about twelve thousand. By the way.
3: Oh yeah, because the pick five, you know, from whatever it paid. Here.
0: I guess Tribuvan going by pretty darn easily here. Just couldn't quite sustain it, Paul.
3: Yeah, I mean Tribuvan was, was not gonna go all the way in this race. And you could see Gufo in the in the green and black, I think it is on the outside. And right here, mirror mission's looking good, but Gufo's stride when he gets underway, and, and yeah. I know Pete loves to watch it because he loves watching horses like this. <laughs> yeah. It's really it's really something to watch. And you know, he won you know, relatively easily. I was actually watching, watching the race, Howard, in the clubhouse uh, uh, underneath a big TV, directly behind Miguel Christophe, uh, their other son, oh, and the wow. groom. And they were, they were pretty happy uh, late in the stretch.
0: Kyle, you've got, uh, again, Soldiers Rising, who I believe, if I recall, Pete, you had on top in our show. I think Andrew uh, Champagne had second. Uh, Kyle, this horse, I'll show the incremental uh, splits here in a minute. Soldiers Rising was just too far back. I turned to Matt, as you know, halfway through the race. I said, if Soldiers Rising wins this race, he's an absolute superstar. Um, he came pretty damn close. Mm-hmm. And I know it's easy to rip on Broom, who's right here, who, you know, Aiden is still over and who broke slow. And again, Broom breaks slow if you watch his races. And that's the main difference between Euro races and these races. Even though Broom broke slow in his last two races, and I talked about it, he still was able to get to the lead. That's just is not going to happen here in the States. You know, Broome did run a pretty darn good race. People can say what they want, but I mean, he's really right there at the end, breaking four lengths slow. Kyle.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, he ran a good race. There's nothing to take away from him. Just again, like you, you hit the nail on the head. And these types of races, when you you're just not going to be able to make like a mid race move like that and meet the uh, meet the leader at the top of the or the top of the turn. It's just not going to happen. Goofo, like I said, ran an amazing race. Soldiers Rising. I know. I also touted. Pete had him on top, just a good race. Like you said, just a little far back Mirror mission, a good race. But I it's like you touted Miguel, come on. There's like not, there's not enough high praise for him. Like saying ex- literally exactly what happened dead on the head. So Gufo, I just think he's better at a mile and a half. I think he loves the more ground yeah. and just gets the job done running in the clear like that.
0: Uh, Pete soldier. You see the, this, this column here at the end. Soldiers Rising and Broom both run the same final quarter in sub 24. Is faster than Gufo, actually. Um, I, I'm assuming Broom's going to go to the Breeders' Cup, Pete. Of these top four, who would you want most likely in the, in the Breeders' Cup, even though I think all of them would be um, much bigger prices against some excellent Euros probably coming over?
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure you you want any of them, but I if you had to pick okay. one. I actually I'm not a, I'm not completely against Soldier Rising only because this was Soldier Rising's for th- this was a big step up in class for Soldier Rising. I sort of so agree with you. He, he's got more upside, right? He's got a little bit of upside, and and I think, I, like you said, that, I couldn't believe he was that far back. I knew he was going to close, but not in dead last. And you're watching him, and he was sort of losing losing connection with the field a little bit. I'm like, what's going on? And then yeah. when he finally got underway, he really closed. I mean, I love Gufo. I. I Kufo will always be on my ticket. I don't care if he's overmatched because I love him. And if he wins, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lose. And I and I and like Paul said, he's just one of my favorites. I love the big closer. But yeah. we said he if you get him close enough, and he loves the mile and a half. So at the mile and a half, yeah. I think that's his best. But at the Breeders' Cup, he just I mean, he ran the worst race of his life last year. And I don't know if that was he didn't. He's not as bad as he was in that race. I'm not sure he's as good. One thing we did say on the show last week, or at least I know I mentioned it, was I thought this was a great field, but not great horses. And Gufo just ran the best out of all of them. So like you said, I'm not yeah. sure if these are Breeders' Cup turf winners. But for what this race was, I think you ran. You have a few that ran well. And, and Aidan O'Brien, over 25, 12 furlongs and up in, in the U.S. So that number just
3: keeps getting bigger. Outside how about boat? we put Louis Howard? How about we put Louis Ciers on broom in the Breeders' Cup Turf and let's talk.
0: Okay, so you're blaming Ryan Moore for the break.
3: Well, look, Howard.
0: I'm just I'm just asking a question. Japan,
3: Japan last year. Too far behind. Ha, here
0: we here okay? we go. I, how did I know Japan was going to come up in the
3: conversation? He he broke a little slow. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, I'm not sure I agree with Kyle. I, I think there is an opportunity. It wasn't a lightning pace in that race. There was an opportunity to not sit. He was 10th at the top of the stretch, Kyle. 10th mm-hmm. out of 10, okay? If you, I watched his last two races when I was writing the preview. His last race, he sat on top of a hot pace, very hot pace at Ascot, took the lead and got picked up by three horses. Pretty good effort. The Hardwick at Royal Ascot, he led every step of the way at 12 yes. furlongs. Now, how does that translate to being 10th at the top of the stretch in this race on Saturday? So well, let's not, you know, look at. You, you missed the break a little. You can't blame that all on the jockey. There's no way on God's green route that horse can be 10th at the top of the stretch. Period. Yeah,
0: yeah. It, it'll be fascinating to see. I uh, Someone in the chat mentioned, uh, Matthew mentioned domestic spending, who just had his first work. Uh, since I, I believe last year um I, I, that'd be a, a very that'd be to Haas ask to, to make uh yeah, <laughs> to I would love that race. would be awesome
2: uh, though if he, if he can cool. make it that would be great by the way
0: before we talk about the travers pete and Paul you know who uh Goofa reminds me of this is a horse that you two would know that Kyle based on his uh wonderful young age that we all wish we were probably still uh reminds me of awad I loved awad big time closer on the turf um, I think the same color silks too, like green. And I'd have to go back and look. Somehow I think this, I'm not saying the same ownership, but anyway, I it's was definitely not favorite. the
3: same ownership.
0: I want, I was one of my favorite turf closers, guys, when I was just starting to like watch racing, uh, you know, more seriously. Uh, I believe one million. I have to go back and look or maybe finish second, yes. but anyway, yeah, I won the million. Marlin, another fun horse back in the day, big, big closer on the turf. Anyway, all right, guys, let's get to the, um, big one, the Travers. and uh, Paul, I'm going to let you – actually, Pete, will let you go first here, this one. Um, Epicenter was – I mean, what are you going to say? Absolutely awesome. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Uh, you can see the uh, – he was even money there. You can see uh, the Mutuals. Cyberknife, I thought, ran a pretty darn game second, although distant second. Zandon third. We'll go ahead and watch the replay of the 153rd Travers. If there's ever a race where a horse like never looks like a loser, I think you need to watch this race because Epicenter seemed that way to me, Pete, the six right here, breaking well, sat the pocket, just ran a, a wonderful race.
2: Well, this is what I mean, this is what he was doing earlier in the year where he was breaking and in some cases even going to the lead. But I think this is his his better style. But the last few he had broke poorly. So he left himself a little bit more to do. This one, like you said, he he broke beautiful. He sits the perfect trip. Again, he's behind Cyberknife, who you know. I, if you look at the two of them, I, I think Epicenter is probably better. But I mean, at least you're good. That's the horse that you're chasing, and and Cyberknife winds up taking. Some pressure. Ain't life grand, which I'm not sure that's what we thought was going to be the one pressuring the pace. I mean, to me, the whole thing, I was completely confused watching the race here. I don't like Cyberknife on the lead. I wasn't sure why ain't life grand was pressing. I don't think early voting can run at a target, even though they keep trying to say he can because he chased garbage Armanac in the Preakness. That's pretty easy to do. So I, I was from here. It just looked like epicenter's got got the god trip, and and um, he's going to be pretty tough to beat. And that and that's the way it turns out.
0: Paul, we I mean we could talk about epicenter forever, and we'll show the um, uh, the chart and some of the details in a minute. But what's your thoughts on Siren Night, Paul? I thought he ran pretty darn well, getting pressed the whole time. I'm not sure where you go with him going forward. I guess maybe the Penn Derby. I also would first team in the breeder's cup mile as opposed to the Breeders' cup classic uh the dirt mile what what, what are your thoughts on cyber
3: knife I, I bet cyber knife uh, i thought he ran well and, and pete i would say this um uh, he was not really asked to get to the lead in that race uh, no one else wanted it and, i know you know yeah. florent was on the inside and i give him credit because it was there for the taking and you know, I mean, he he lost to a monster, and the fact that he held on for second right here, you figure everyone's passing him. Well, and
2: luckily, he, luckily Zandon hangs every every single race, so he doesn't wind up. Zandon needs that I mean, cut Zandan, back more yeah, than anybody.
3: I mean, Zandon did about one eighth of the running in that race that Cyberknife did. <laughs> oh no, did. no, I I agree. I'm just he saying,
2: did. I think Zandon hangs, or Zandon should have gone by. I thought Rich Strike. I thought sunny leone I, I didn't understand why he didn't take him and just stay on the rail i, I was confused by a lot of the rides in this race none of it would have mattered though because epicenter right. was a mile better than all of them
3: but he really was yeah, yeah. no I, I i'll tell you how i you know and i cyber night that pick five was paying you know twice as much and i was certainly getting a little hopeful when he was on the lead <laughs> and i bet him but yeah i get no complaints i mean this epicenter Takeaway is maiden race, his first start last September as a two year old, and the horse has simply never run a bad race. Eight eight starts five after that race, five wins, three seconds. You know, one of the seconds should have been a win. Let's face it. And Rich Strike ran okay. Give him credit. He, you know, he ran decent. Um, you know, I don't know what happened to early voting. Uh, Early voting was basically eased in the race. You know, Artorias is obviously, and I liked him a little too,
0: Howard obviously was in way over his head at this point in his career. He did run his best buyer, but I was wrong. I thought he'd fire better. And, uh, yeah, well, I and think I, he's – I'm got, a man enough to say that he just – it was too much too soon. But I – Yeah, you know, he's just not upset. Paul, well, I have no right. problem he, taking a shot with him. Though. Like, I don't regret my – No, I it used him. It just
3: didn't work out. just didn't work out. Absolutely. I mean, Gilded Age is a very average horse. So, you know, Rich Strike Rich, – look it. Don't be confused with me ever thinking Rich Strike was a bad horse. I just said it's completely absurd that he won the Kentucky Derby, and I maintain that. But yeah. he, he ran, you know, he ran okay, but look at, this is a serious racehorse epicenter. And, you know, Astroson has been pretty much saying that all along. I know they all speak trainers speak, but he really has felt vindicated. And, you know, now he, he gets to take on all the big boys in the classic and I got to tell you, I'm, I'm not lying. I'm not tripping over people to bet against them. You know, it, it's going to be a different race, but, uh, yeah, you know, would he come back with a number, Howard? You just had it on the screen. Was it uh, just under one, one hundred eight, one hundred nine,
1: one twelve? I, on, we, I on think. It. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. So, one, one twelve is uh, 112, that's gonna play. Yeah. <laughs> you, that you could take that yeah. to a lot of racetracks and do okay, Howard. Oh,
0: no question about that, Kyle. Um, you know, <laughs> I, there are a lot of things to talk about this race. We're not gonna go on for too much longer. I do want to show one other thing. Uh, let's bounce off of Paul here. Where does Epicenter fit in the Breeders' Cup? And Kyle, before I answer that question, and I'm not going to show back the uh, buyers, but Pete, I thought you made an excellent point. How good is Steve Asterson? I mean, I'm not a trainer, but I've had the pleasure of meeting a, a lot of trainers, especially in the last few years. You look at Epicenter's buyers, Kyle, just every time, either improved or stayed the same. He has never taken a step back in his entire career. That is all trainer uh, ability and talent of the horse that's just that's an incredible training job to get him to run his best number on one of the biggest races of the year i just i can't say enough about the job steve asmussen did with this horse
1: oh 100 i think i think steve asmussen is amazing at just picking the right spots for his horses not yeah. only with epicenter obviously like you said running back to back to back to back to back basically the same exact buyer but Gunnight ran well that day for Winchell as well, it's just I think Steve Asmussen really puts his horses in the right spot every single time. And, yeah. you know, it's just, it's perfect.
0: Now, guys, let's have a, a five minute combo about this, and then we're going to end the show. I put this here's another uh, poll I sent down, if you guys saw on Twitter. The question says, I, I, I should have read the first one. I'm forgetting that people are going to be listening to this. So I apologize, those of you that are listening to this on our audio platforms. The, the poll question, which is you can still vote on this, folks, on Twitter right now. If you had to vote on Horse of the Year right now, right now, whom would it be? Flightline, Life is Good, Epicenter, Jack Christopher. Right now the leader is Epicenter, forty-five point five percent. Flight line second, twenty eight point six percent, life is good, nineteen point five, Jack Christopher six point five. I know it's always slanted, uh, Pete towards actually Kyle, sorry, towards recency. Um, I, I strongly disagree <laughs> with this right now. And I, I, I said why on Twitter, real quick. We'll just whip around, Kyle. If you had to vote right now, who would it be?
1: I voted in this poll. I voted Life is Good. I just okay. think, uh, I, I just think his higher profile race, like you said, his recency. you know, he's gotten ran two really good seconds of the Triple Crown races. But I just think Life is Good has won, and better races. I just, I'm going Life is Good.
0: Pete.
2: I think I voted Epicenter on here, but I think it's a, I I think, and this is a, this is a cop-out answer. I I don't think you could tell. I don't think you could tell because life is good and Epicenter haven't done what they need to do yet. And Flightline, (laughs) if Flightline runs away on Saturday, he jumps over both of them because eventually because he'll be the leading candidate for the classic. Then I just think it's a little early to tell for even if you had to choose one, Hey, epicenter, I think is one. A,
0: the damn school teacher throws a trick question at him, Keith. Um, yeah, by the way, flight line uh, the the um Pacific Classic uh was just drawn. Flight line, the five horse, one to five morning line, second choice, country grammar, four to one. Uh, Paul, who would, you, who would you vote for in this? And I guess a better question, Paul, is who's the favorite to win horse of the year going forward? Would you say once the year is over?
3: Well, I think. You know, I think this is a very fair question. it's What do you think? Who's accomplished it up to today? And yeah. I think it's clearly Epicenter if you go by up to today. Okay. I mean, he's run the most number. I mean, Flightline runs once every lunar eclipse.
0: Well, see. Okay. <laughs> Paul, can I, I don't so, mean to interrupt you, but that's the debate. Now, I mean, are people like poo-pooing Flightline life is good because they just don't run as much? Epicenter is a three-year-old just to push back and just for argument's sake. I mean, he was great. You know, the last two times at Saratoga, he didn't win a Triple Crown race. Don't don't you have to win a Triple Crown race to be the horse of the year if you're a three year old?
3: What Do we want to start talking about the fields at Flightline? Is you know, he won the Met, the Met Mile, the, the one term Met Mile. He looked tremendous.
0: That's one of the best races of the entire season, right? The Met, Met Mile.
3: I'm not betting him. i look at it, <laughs> it's going to be decided on the track at the Breeders' Cup Classic.
0: No, no question about. It. Just having some fun.
2: It yeah, wasn't this one of the worst Met Miles we've seen in a while or or no yeah, but, if I remember? But guys, I mean with,
0: <laughs> I mean how good was the preakness?
2: Oh, it was no good. I mean not, saying, like, I, I think Epic I think Epicenter, I actually think
0: guys. You can you can pick apart any race. It's not flight line and I'm not saying I completely disagree with you guys. I'm just pushing back for argument's sake. Flight line life is good. You can only beat who you have in front of you. I mean you guys have said the same thing many times, right?
2: I just don't think there is a horse of the year right now. I don't think anyone has done enough to be a great, like a great contender for horse of the year. I think all of yeah. them have done some excellent stuff, but I think horse of the year at this point, we usually have some really, really rock solid top-notch contenders. And I think now one slip up, I mean, I guess Epicenter's is not running again, so he's not slipping up until the classic We'll see what Life Is Good does in the Woodward. We'll see what Flightline does in the no, Pacific Classic, right. and then yeah. yeah.
3: yeah. Well, um, but is it though? Is, is this Pacific Classic going to tell us a lot about what, what's going to happen in the Breeders' Cup Classic? Well, no, it's going to tell us
2: if, if he loses, it's going to tell us that he's not well, great. I think that's I think that's all it's going to tell us.
0: Well, I, if Flightline, I mean, if he gets a little bit of pressure somehow and draws off and wins by ten and leaves country, yeah. isn't Country Grammar? Arguably the second best older male in the country right now. Distance. Dirt. i dirt. Maybe. Yeah. maybe. Maybe life be. is good. You could argue. I mean, B life is good in, in Dubai. If, if he does, if Flightline completely does country grammar, guys, I, I think that says a lot, personally. That's just my opinion. I, I You know, what it means in the Breeze Cup Classic, I don't know. The Are they going to be company.
3: able to run him? Will he be able to run in the? Is that enough time off between next Saturday and the Breeders' Cup Classic? It's wow. only nine. It's Paul only is, nine weeks. Paul I think is. it's kind of unfair to ask this horse to run back in nine weeks.
2: Paul just hates flight line. <laughs> no,
3: I, I don't hate. I hate the fact that they have a horse of that ability that they don't run. Yeah, he I mean, ran the Met, Howard, yeah, the, Met, I mean, the Met Mile. Howard, you and I were there. The Met. I the Met Mile was what June eleventh. Okay. And Saturday is September second. Three months, just about three months, and then nine weeks to the Classic. All right. Sorry, it's my opinion. I, I don't own the horse. God love them. The, the West Point people are great people. Costa Horonus, yeah. they're all great for the game. I don't like the fact the horse doesn't run, and and that's my opinion.
0: Uh, it's it, it's fair. I will close out by saying this, guys. We appreciate everyone watching. Episode 172 of the HHH Racing Podcast. Before I close out officially, you can see at on the bottom of the screen. We've got a great show. I'm really excited Thursday night for our Pacific uh, Classic Day preview. We've got the winning bread guys. Dylan Rossi, a.k.a. D-Gen Nation, CEO. If you are on Twitter, uh, you know uh, Dylan Rossi very well. And his good pal, uh, Brady Klotz. They're going to be here to break down the Pacific Classic Day card with us. I'm really excited. Make sure you come here on this uh, YouTube channel, 8 p.m. Eastern, our usual flagship time, this Thursday as we chop up Pacific Classic Day, guys. I will just say this. I think the whole key on many levels for all these horses we talked about and many other horses on Breeders' Day is three words. Actually, five words. Where does life is good? Six words. Where does life is good go? Is he going to go to the classic or the dirt mile? Because I think there are a lot of horses that are going to see what Life is Good is planning on and make their decision. If, if Life is Good is in the dirt mile, I, I don't know why Jack Christopher would go there. I got to be very honest. He might still go there. I think he'd be better suited to the sprint, maybe anyway, my personal opinion, just because of the field. I mean, you got Zandon's going to turn back, who I think is very dangerous in the dirt mile, guys. There's other horses that are going to turn back. I know we can have that other discussion. Pete, I think you're totally against even the dirt mile race overall, if I recall. No, no, year. no. I love the dirt. I love the mile. dirt mile. No, I love the dirt mile. Maybe it was, Paul, well, Was that you? I can't recall. But anyway, we'll, we'll have time to talk about it. But uh, I think where life is good goes is really going to have a big effect on the fields this year. I personally hope he goes to the classic. I hope they both, I hope they all just, the best ones line up in the classic. Um, I don't know why Matthew think he has to go in the classic. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I don't think winning two dirt miles uh the breeders cup does much for a stud value paul i think life is good stud value would increase 20 fold if he's able to beat a potential flight line and win the breeder's cup classic in my, my opinion
3: i you know he he won the whitney which is a premier race for older horses and it's at nine furlongs so he's yeah. got to go to the classic i, I mean no so. disrespect to the dirt mile but i would hope you, so you know and then, yeah. by the way the dirt mile is going to be a. You're gonna be looking at very likely Speaker's Corner and Cody's Wish, the two mud horses to start with.
0: Uh, I don't know. Uh, that's mainstream. We'll see. Uh anyway, we, we have plenty of time to talk well, about Well Cody's Wish, wanted... you're
3: definitely Cody's Wish is definitely going.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh Pete and Now and Speaker's Kyle. Corner ran a dud the other night
3: in the Pat O'Brien, so
0: He did, he did. A one by Laurel River very nicely for Baffert, by the way. Uh Pete and Kyle, really quickly. Pete, i have you go first. Final thoughts on Travers Day.
2: It was an awesome day. We saw we saw a couple of good performances. We saw a couple of great performances, Jack Christopher and and Epicenter. And we saw, you know, we just saw some big time horses run. It's a shame that we're not going to see them again, some of them until the Breeders' Cup. But it was a great day, as it always is, Travers Day, one of the best of the year.
0: Kyle, your thoughts on uh, any one particular performance? I guess Epicenter really stole the show in general, I I would think.
1: Oh, 100%. Like, it's, like I mentioned earlier, just being in that room with everybody during for Epicenter, just yeah. an unbelievable day being at uh, the OTB there. But, I mean, Epicenter definitely takes the cake. But like I said, Jack Christopher, Ma- don't take anything away from Malathot either. She ran an amazing race. It'd be interesting to see, you know, how the distaff shakes out this year, being with them and all of that. But like I said, Epicenter steals the show. Travers Day, be excited for the Breeders' Cup.
0: Well, it was very exciting. We got big Breeders' Cup preps this weekend. Also, Saratoga has another big weekend, of course, Del Mar. So you got to continue to uh, follow these races as we get inch closer and closer to the Breeders' Cup in just over two months. For Paul Halloran, Pete Visco, Kyle Roscoe, this has been host Howard Kravitz, episode 172 of the HHH Racing Podcast. We'll see you on Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, and then also make sure starting Thursday you subscribe to our fantastic race day blog through Patreon. Information below uh the video player or on our website. Take care, everyone. We'll see you Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. Have a great night. Bye-bye.